Good morning. Sometimes you'd like to just kind of park there for a while and just soak in his presence, wouldn't you? That God would come and sweep over not just this place, because when we think of church, we think of this room that I'm sitting in. But I think God's more concerned with sweeping over our hearts first and then over the people that are his, his body, and then over the nations of the earth. I welcome you in the name of the Lord. I'm grateful that you're joining us wherever you're at, whether here locally at Family Life Church or from friends far and wide. I wanted to uh, thank uh, Ben who shared the Eighth Commandment a couple of weeks ago, and I thought he did a great job. And then last week, uh, Sister Sharon Weber did just a wonderful job on Mother's Day, and I wanted to personally thank them for doing a great job, bringing a great word with real encouragement to our souls. Uh, Some years ago, Time Magazine did a cover story entitled, Lying, Everyone's Doing It. The article starts off like this. Lies, lies, lies. The current political climate is erupting into a series of charges and countercharges of dishonesty and deception, all of which raises the question, is anyone around here telling the truth? Does anyone even know the truth? That cover story was in Time Magazine in 1992, the year that Bill Clinton was running against former President Bush. And it seems to me like things haven't changed a whole lot. Uh, I don't know if you have found it to be so, but dealing with this pandemic and listening to the news report from two extremes, it's hard to know what the truth is. A survey of American parents revealed that 50% believe it's okay to lie to your kids if the truth is too awkward at that time. Uh, Another survey that I thought was even more interesting, it was entitled, Truth and Lies. It asks a lot of questions, but one of the questions it asks is, are you really happy? Then at the end of the survey, the survey asks this question, Did you lie about any of the answers that you gave? And it was interesting to me that 87% of the people admitted they had lied in this anonymous survey and that they, in fact, really were not happy at all. The survey ends with this statement. If you think you're not a liar, you're just lying to yourself. And then Dr. Leonard Keeler, who was the inventor of the lie detector machine, who performed over 25,000 tests on this machine, came to this conclusion. Human beings lie a lot. Who would have thunk it? Uh, Our text today is Exodus 20 and verse 16. And it says this, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Another translation simply says, You shall not lie. Now, I am pleased to be able to tell you that like our first president, George Washington, I cannot tell a lie. Well, 
other than that lie I just told you. No, other than the explanation I just gave for that lie I just told you. Okay, can we all admit that there have been times when we have lied? And probably not all that long ago. Today's message is actually very personal for me. Because this commandment is one of the commandments that I've had to deal with in my own life. In fact, this commandment has had to deal with me in my own struggles in this area. A couple of weeks ago when Ben spoke on stealing, he said this, the problem with stealing is a problem of dishonor. And I want to suggest to you that the same is true for lying. You dishonor God and His holiness and His perfect righteousness. You dishonor the person that you're trying to deceive and you dishonor yourself and who God has made you to be. When we go into the witness stand, I had an opportunity to uh, both be on a witness stand at one point, but then at another point in my life, I was actually in the jury box. But people who come to the witness stand swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. And it's our way of saying that as a nation, truth really matters. I heard about a teenage boy who had a curfew of midnight. Well, one evening, he got home late at 2 o'clock in the morning. But he was so grateful to find that everyone had gone to bed and was sleeping. So he attempted to sneak up the stairs to his room, figuring that he had avoided all problems. But one of the stairs squeaked very loudly, and his father awoke and said, Is that you, son? And he said, Yes. And his dad said, What time is it? And before the son could answer, the cuckoo clock went off two times. The son says it was a moment of his most ingenuity in life when he cuckooed ten more times right in a row, trying to fool his dad into thinking it was just midnight. Matthew 15, 19, Jesus says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, Adultery, fornication, lying, and slander. The heart of the issue when it comes to lying is an issue of the heart. Therein lies our problem. If I'm going to become a person of integrity, if I'm going to become a truth person, I have to deal not just with my lips, but with my heart. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at uh, a couple of different things. I want to look at why we lie. What is our motivation when we lie? But the way I want to do it is I want to talk about a couple of different lies. I said that this message is very personal to me. Growing up in a family where anger and violence could erupt at any moment, and most of the time you weren't even sure why, what set off my dad in that moment. I found that lying was something that I reverted to to try to protect and to save myself in that moment. And unfortunately, because that occurred in a formative time in my life, that habit of lying stuck with me for years and years. And can we all be honest that we've all lied at various times for various reasons? Lying, though, I have found is not our real problem. The real problem is, what's motivating us? What's 
behind the lie that's driving us to even use that lie in the first place. Some really smart people who I've read have categorized lies. Augustine said there are eight different kinds of lies. But Mark Twain, in his book, Puddinhead Wilson, said there are 869 different kinds of lies. And he, of course, admits that he made up the number 869. He lied. What I want to talk about this morning here is five different lies that I think at some point we're probably all guilty of, and then the motivation behind those lies. The first lie I want to look at is what I'll call the cruel lie. This is a lie that we use intentionally and maliciously to get back at somebody, to paint somebody with a broad stroke, draw broad stroke picture that makes us present them in a certain way. <clears throat> Maybe uh, you tell it to hurt somebody, and you do it on Facebook because you're mad at them. Or maybe you try to demean them because you don't like them for whatever reason. Maybe you don't like what they stand for politically. Maybe you don't like how they chew their food or how they breathe. But you tell this to misrepresent them in some way or, in your opinion, to represent them in some way because you don't like them. You're angry at them. And I see it all the time on Facebook. Uh, I would think, based upon things that I have read that some of you have posted, that Bill, or Governor Cuomo and Bill Gates and Dr. Fossey are at best the Antichrist. They're probably the three-horned beast that we find in Daniel chapter 7. My question to you is, and I'm asking you honestly, if these people were to sit down at your house by your invitation to eat a meal with you, would you use the kind of language, the kind of rhetoric that you use on Facebook anonymously? We say things without really even checking back over it. Paul says, Let no one wholesome word come out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. My question to you is, are the words that you use about these people good and necessary and edifying? Are they wholesome words? Do they bring life? Or do you just like going on rants? The motivation behind this kind of lie is, I believe, jealousy, hurt, anger, resentment, even hatred. I think it's easy when you forget that these people are made in the same image of God as you are to be able to use that kind of lie that kind of misrepresentation about them. That's the cruel lie. The second lie is the cowardly lie. This is the lie we use to escape consequences, to avoid punishment. And honestly, this was one of my go-tos when my dad was angry. I would lie to protect myself. This is the dog-ate-my-homework kind of lie. Um, recently, my daughter posted on Facebook, I think it might have even been yesterday, a conversation she overheard her children having in the next room. And I'm going to read it to you. And it says this, Overheard outside of Caleb and Gabby's room. Gabby, I'm going to tell Mama you broke the wall. Caleb, no, I'm going to tell Mama you broke the law. Gabby, but you did it. Caleb, 
Yeah, but I'm going to say, Mama, Gabby broke the wall. Pitter patter of feet, door opens, Caleb. Mama, Gabby broke the wall. Now, you can think ill of my grandchildren, and you would be wrong. But the truth is, your kids have probably done the same thing, where they blamed one of the other siblings for something that they did. And you're left wondering, what's the real truth? I can remember many years ago, my dad gave me a chore. And again, at that time, I was the only boy in the family, I think. And uh, if, if my brother was born at that time, he would have been only like two or three. But my dad gave me the chore of handpicking all of the field corn in all of our acres of corn. So many acres that, well, at least in my teenage mind, I couldn't even process it. It was so overwhelming to me, I couldn't even imagine doing that task. And so every day, my dad, who was working at a factory in Rochester, when he would get up, he would ask me, how much did I get done? And I would lie. Because I was unable to admit that the task seemed insurmountable to this young teenage mind. I would lie and tell him I did such and such. And he would say, good job, keep going, and you'll be done in no time. Until that weekend when my dad was actually home and went back to the field and found out that I had done absolutely nothing. We lie to cover up our sense of failure, to hide from the consequences, the punishment of what's going to happen. And the motivation, honestly, is fear. We're afraid of failure, but more importantly, we're afraid of the consequences. The third lie I want to talk about is the image lie. And this is another lie I've had to con confront in my life many times. It's when you don't feel like you measure up in yourself. So you shade the truth or you even outright lie to make yourself look better than what you think you really are. What's the motivation behind this kind of lie? It's insecurity and fear. You find somebody behind that lie who feels like they're not enough in themselves. They're not good enough. They're not smart enough. They're not wise enough. They're not popular enough. They're not good looking enough. You name it. But they feel less than enough and so they will lie. They will shade the truth. If I don't think I'm good enough as I am, then I'm going to puff up my resume. And interestingly, Google says that 85% of people lie on their own resume. Think about that for a moment. 85% of the people shade the truth trying to make themselves look better for a prospective boss. It's the fish gets bigger every time you tell the story. And this especially happens when you're around certain kind of people who are amazing storytellers. They can take any story and make it bigger and better. And so your tendency is to embellish your own story a little bit in order to make yourself look bigger and better. The fourth lie is the calculated lie. This is the kind of lie we use when we want to get something, something we want when we want it. So we finagle the truth in order to try to get what we want. And this is motivated out of greed, out of selfishness, but at heart, it's not trusting God to give us what we need when he thinks we need it. It's, ben referenced this a couple of weeks ago. It's when we bargain for something. 
and uh, we lie and tell people, well, I only have so much money in my pocket. When the truth is, we know we have more. Or when we say, we think this thing that we're trying to sell is worth a whole lot more than what we really know it is, and we don't even tell the whole truth about the thing we're selling. This is a calculated lie. Um, it's saying at heart, I can't trust God to take care of all of my needs. So we misrepresent things. We lie. And we can say we lie for good cause sometimes. We lie so that we can surprise somebody. But it's still a lie at heart. And the fifth is what I call the convenient lie. This is the lie we tell when we don't want to be bothered having to go into the truth. And there's not a parent out there who hasn't lied to their children because your children, with all seriousness, in their youthfulness, asks what for them is a serious question. But you don't want to take the time. You're busy. You're overwhelmed with life. And so you just give a quick answer that you know isn't the whole truth. But you do it anyways. I was caught in a lie this week. Um, one of my employees out at the Redemption Center came to me and said, I thought I heard you say to somebody that the reason why they can't come into the store is it's the law. Well, the truth is, I didn't want to be bothered to have to explain in great detail that the governor wants us to have a plan for reopening, and we have made the decision to not allow people into our store. So I just quickly said, well, it's the law. Well, technically, that's a lie. It's a convenient lie. And we do it just out of laziness. We sometimes do it out of a sense of diplomacy. You know, it's when your wife asks you how this outfit looks on her. What do you say? Do you tell the truth? Or do you lie? Or we talk about it being polite. Um, we're at somebody's house. They've invited us over for dinner. And we've had dinner and things just keep going on and on and on. And we want to go home because Jeopardy's on. So what do we do? We say, well, I've got to get going because, and you make up something. It's a lie to get out of there. We call it being polite. We call it being diplomatic. But the truth is, it's still a lie. The Bible says this in Psalm 34, 11 through 13. Come, my young friends, and listen to me, and I will teach you to honor the Lord. Would you like to enjoy life? Do you want long life and happiness? Then keep from speaking evil and from telling lies. Obviously, there's many more lies. Obviously, I think Mark Twain said it was hundreds. But I wanted to just convey the idea that lying is something, if we're honest, we've all fallen into that trap before for various reasons. And what I want to ask you this morning is, what's in your heart? Uh, the commercial says, what's in your wallet? But I believe Jesus is saying to us, What's in your heart? Do you want to be a truth teller? Do you want to be the kind of person who walks in such integrity that your word truly is your bond? What's in your heart? What I want to look at real quickly now is the things that I have found for myself. This is not something I got from somebody else. These are mine. Things that I have found that God has helped me to confront this issue in my own life. Things that I have had to go through by steps. 
and, and maybe your steps wouldn't be in that order. Maybe these are not quite your issue. But these are what I have had to go through. In the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel says in chapter 36, God will give us a new heart and a new spirit. His spirit within us. And I want to suggest to you the solution for all of this is that. That God would give us a new heart and put his Holy Spirit within us to begin to challenge some of these things in our own lives that aren't pleasing to him. Uh, I have found in my own life that this approach has helped me the most. And so first, number one, I have had to acknowledge that I have a problem. And it's called lying, or maybe let's just be blunt. It's called sin. It wasn't enough for me any longer that I could um, cover up this lie. It wasn't enough that I could actually jerry-rig the facts enough to be close enough to the lie that I could sell it. I don't want to tell a lie. I want to be a truth teller in my own life. I had to see, though, that this is a sin. It's not just a habit. It's not just something I learned when I was young and it's not my fault, it's my father's fault. This is a sin that doesn't please God and honestly, it grieves my own heart. And it had to be confronted as a sin. So I call this, number one, honesty. I had to get honest with myself. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, O oh Lord, who needs to change. God, I can't change on my own. I need you to change me. I won't get any better than this if you don't come by your Spirit and change me from the inside out. So the first thing is I had to get brutally honest with myself. It's sin. The second thing is, in acknowledging my sin, I had to get honest with God about what was going inside of me because of this sin. What motivated me? What drove me? What caused me to sin by lying? And this is really about trust. So I start with acknowledging it's sin, being honest. And now I come to a place of trusting God. Of saying, God, I know you can change me. You need to help me to see what drives me. So that you, by your Holy Spirit, can confront that inside of me. The third thing is that there were many times when I had to confess my sin. That uh, it was a lie. I had to confess most often, as close to that moment as possible. So I might say something and immediately realize, okay, that's not quite accurate. I said it quickly and flippantly because it was easier, but that's not accurate. And so I would correct it. In fact, if you've been around me any length of time at all, whether in board meetings or even sometimes in church on Sundays when I'm preaching, I will say something in moments. While I'm continuing to speak, my mind is reminding me that wasn't quite accurate. And you would have heard me say, I want to go back to something I just said because that's not quite accurate. Because I wanted to confess it immediately. I don't necessarily go and say, hey, I just lied to you. But I do want to confess the truth. What is the truth about this thing that I have just said? Um, this is all about confession and confrontation. I confess what is the truth. And I confront within my own heart why I said this. What's going on inside of me? Uh, I have personally come to the place, I, I have friends who joke about the fact that pastors tell more lies on Sunday than any other time of the whole week because they make up stories to make their point 
And most often they present the stories like they're true, like it's actually happened to them when it didn't. I've just come to the point where I don't want to do that. I believe that God is rich enough in his wisdom to give me illustrations and examples without having to lie. So this one was about confession and confrontation. And then next, I made the decision to speak the truth to as best as I could, to think before I speak, and to share the truth. Um, I used to carry a card with me. It was a small little card. I think it was maybe three by five, and I laminated it. And on that card, I, I put two words. And I would, when I would go to meetings, I can remember going to meetings at uh, Elam or uh, at ministers' meetings or board meetings. I would go to the meeting and I would hold that card in my hands where no one else could see it. And those two words would stare up at me. Those two words were simply, shut up. It was my way of saying, keep your mouth shut because when you open your mouth, or as the, the proverb says, where there's many words, there's much sin. And this was telling me to shut up. Well, I've come to the conclusion there's a better way. The better way is to actually speak the truth out of love. Not just to be quiet, not just to put a muzzle on my mouth, but to speak the truth in love. Out of love for God and love for the people that I'm speaking to. Let love be my motivator. And then finally, and this is a hard one for many people I know, I think we have to find somebody who can um, help us in this road, in this process. For me, I solicited help from the person I most trust in life. And that's my wife. So there are many times in my days, even to this day, where I will come home from meetings and I'll say to my wife, I had to correct something that I said. Now, I don't owe her that. She wasn't there. She didn't hear it. But I want to be accountable to somebody that I love and trust and I know loves me, has my best at heart. And it's my way of holding myself accountable with somebody else, knowing that they're there not to police me. They're there to support me and help me. So this one is all about support. Those are the kinds of things that I have gone through as I have confronted and been confronted by this commandment. You shall not lie. Now, what I want to do, just very, very briefly, I'm just going to go through these quick because we just don't have time. About five minutes is all. But I want to very quickly just tell you what I think would be a, a good way to look at us actually dealing with the truth in our lives, how we should tell the truth. So I'm going to give you four things real quick. Number one, tell the truth completely. Proverbs 10.10 says, someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. And here, I'm not talking about your personal opinion or your political views about the pandemic, that's not necessarily the truth. That's your opinion. I'm talking about the truth. And we know somebody who is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. So let's tell about Jesus. Let's tell the truth about life. And if you have an opinion, say, well, I have an opinion. But let's not present it like it's 100% fact. Secondly, tell the truth consistently. So it's tell the truth completely. Tell the truth consistently. The Bible says, let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things 
speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. That's Ephesians 4.15, the amplified version. Proverbs 11.3 says, people who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. This is like the boy who cries wolf. If we begin to confront this consistently in our lives, we're going to find that more and more and more we're telling the truth and less and less lies, whether to protect ourselves or to puff ourselves up or whatever our motivation was. We're going to begin to be truth tellers. Number three, tell the truth lovingly. Speak the truth in love. Don't use the truth as a club. Truth that is used uh, as an attack, people feel that. They know that you don't have their best interests at heart. When it comes to telling someone the truth about their lives, I think you ought to ask yourself, who is really benefiting from this? Are you doing it out of love for them because you really want to help them, or are you doing it because you're inconvenienced by something they're doing and you just don't like it? And so you tell them the truth. Ephesians 4.29 says, Speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And finally, number four, tell the truth tactfully. Whenever you need to share a tough truth, the issue is not deception. The issue is tact. Um, one of my favorite movies growing up was Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins said this, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. I think that's good advice. Proverbs 12.18 says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Your words have tremendous power. Proverbs tells us life and death is in the power of the tongue. I'm not saying we should lie or deceive somebody because we don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm saying we should find a tactful way of telling the truth. Paul Johansson, one of uh, my teachers growing up, an amazing man with great wisdom, said this, if you have something weighty and difficult to say to someone, you must first build a bridge of relationship that can handle the weight of that conversation. So my next question when I deal with this part of it is, do I even have the relationship with that person sufficient to have that conversation? And if not, then I shouldn't have the conversation until I do. And that might mean I build the relationship or it might mean I recognize I'm not the person to say it because I don't have that weighty relationship. So this morning, as we've looked at this ninth commandment, you shall not lie. I'm wondering, has God put his finger upon something in your life? Maybe you're one of those people who love to tell a fun story, but much of it's not true, but you get people laughing and crying because you tell great stories. Or are you the kind of person that Regularly lies because when confronted with something, you don't want to pay the price. And so you lie. Or maybe it's because you feel insecure. You don't feel like you're enough in yourself. You haven't heard God say to you, you're no longer an orphan, you're my child. And so you puff yourself up. Maybe God's put his finger upon some things in your life as he has in mine. The truth is, we're all walking out this journey. And everybody has issues in their lives. It's okay to have issues. God doesn't judge you because you have your issues. He's come to save you, not to judge you. That's what he tells us. So let's not make this a horrible thing that God actually would deal with things in our lives. 
He's come to redeem us, to save us. So if that's you in your life, I just ask you, bow your head right now. Let me just pray for you briefly as we close out our service.